So we're sitting here at the City Hall of Toronto. I'm sitting here with Ivan Neville of Dumpster Funk. How are you today? I'm doing well, my, my friend. I know that you come from a musical family, but how did you get into music? Well, um, watching those guys, my dad, my uncles, all my young life um, was pretty inspiring, you know. I mean, I, I did normal stuff, you know. I, I like sports, I like playing football as a kid and things of that nature. And I, I, I saw my, my dad playing piano a few times at, at home. My mom played piano as a child. So we had a piano in our house. And um, uh, there was a friend of my mom's, uh, my mom and dad actually, his name was James Booker. Uh, great piano player, probably the most amazing piano player I ever saw. But he, he was a friend with my mom and dad. He used to come to our house and play. And I was kind of fascinated watching him. Not that I ever even thought that I could ever be anywhere near, like, play the piano like that. But that inspired me, along with seeing my dad and those guys play. And then it, when I was about in 10th grade, I was probably uh, 15 years old or something, I, um, I just started, I asked my dad to show me a couple of songs. He showed me a few songs. And one day I asked James Booker to show me a song or two. He showed me um, how to play Big Chief. Professor Longhair's song, uh, Booker showed me how to play that song. And I, I, that was it. I mean, I, prior to that, I had picked up a guitar when I was about 10. When I was 10, I was, I was fascinated by the Jackson 5 and stuff like that. I mean, I loved music. I loved Sly and the Family Stone when I was a kid. I loved the Beatles, all of that stuff. I was always a, a lover of music. But I didn't know that I wanted to play as, a, as, my, you know, as my life work. You know, I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. And until when I was about 15, I was in high school. And I started playing piano, and then I took, a, I took a liking to it, and I started actually creating, my, writing some of my own songs at, right off the bat. And I was like, oh, you know what? I don't mind doing this. It's like, and then, you know, I was kind of got, got some attention from the females, which didn't hurt, you know, that helped make the decision as well. Like, oh, girls like guys who can sing and play piano. So that's, that, was, that was a benefit, you know. Can you talk about, I mean, New Orleans is known for a lot of things. But musically, piano is such a huge thing. Talk to me about the history of piano and... I mean, I don't know a whole lot except what I saw and what I've heard about people like, well, you got all these guys. You got, you know, you got my, 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 my uncle Art, who was the founding member of the Meters. And, um, you know, and my dad, my people don't know. My dad, used to, you know, my dad, uh, Aaron Neville, he, he, uh, he, he could play a little bit of piano. You know, he's not, he doesn't fancy himself as a piano player. But he played, I watched him play a little bit here and there when I was growing up. And, and then all these guys are, all got their own thing, like Dr. John, and you got uh, Alan Toussaint, and, and not to mention uh, who I said, James Booker, Professor Longhair. Uh, there was another guy by the name of Toots Washington, who was one of the cats. A lot of guys that were around doing their thing. My man, I'm good, I'm good, thank you. And, um, and um, you know, it, it's just one of those things. It's just a musical place, man. New Orleans is, is, is a musical place. And it's just the sounds of, of, of everything. I mean, not just the piano. You know, you got Mardi Gras. You got the Jazz and Heritage Festival. You got music-loving people all around. You know, people that love good music and, 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 and the food is great. And new, it's just a, a magical place that inspires you, you know? And if you have any talent at all, and you um, work on it a little bit. New Orleans is a, is a place that will inspire you, you know. And you, you might want, you might keep it up. You might keep doing it. I mean, I know? think I think 
it's a very musical place and you think about all the great musicians that have come out of there. But is it easy to be a musician in New Orleans? I mean, for me, I guess I, I guess I had it. I got it somewhat easy. I've, I've had it somewhat easy because I come from a family, and you got a lot of families. You got the Marcellus family. You have the Andrews family. You have the Lasties. You have the Batiste family. Lots of musical families down there. Um, uh, you know. Uh, was that ever pressure, though? I mean, I never felt the pressure. I never felt it. I never, I never paid any attention to that. So just because you're a Neville, that doesn't. I'm probably. I guess I got. I got. I got. Probably got. Some doors were open for me. Possibly, you know, that would maybe would not have been open. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely had a slight advantage like that, being from a family. You, you kind of got a little head start. Right. You know. Um, but I was, I guess I'm, I can play a little bit, uh, and I became somewhat good at it a little bit, so. More than somewhat. You know, uh, so, well, you know. <laughs> at the age of 15, when you decided that this might be something that you, you might pursue, tell me how that happened. Well, no, I just started playing all the time. I, I joined the stage band in high school, and I played piano in the stage band. And um, I had a, a performance in front of the entire school in the auditorium, right. and that was a big deal. It was like, wow, the, the response that I got from the people, my, my peers, my schoolmate, my classmates and everybody, and how the appreciation that I felt from everybody, I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then, you know, I, they, there was, a, there was a, a talent show that, I, was a, that I, I entered in 1976, and I won a talent show in New Orleans, a citywide talent show, and. That was pretty much it. Once I did that, I had a band. I started having my own band. And then I, I pretty soon thereafter joined my, with, with my dad and my uncles, because they had, they had formed the Neville Brothers. Right. And it went from there, you know. I went from there, and I just kind of, that was a good training ground, you know, to be learning with those guys, playing with my dad, my uncles. There was a guy named Gerald, Gerald Tillman, who played keyboards or organ in, in the Neville Brothers who was a big influence and a, and a big, a good friend and, uh, and somewhat of a teacher uh, as, as, a, as when I was coming up uh, doing it. Um, and then I got opportunities to do a lot of other stuff. Like when I went to, when I moved, I left New Orleans and went to California and I did something with a group called Rufus. That, Bill, most people know Rufus is of Shaka Khan's band. I did something with that group for a minute. Um, I did, um, I ended up playing, uh, uh, I got a, a, a gig playing keyboards for Bonnie Raitt. I played with her in, in the early 80s, and you know, that led to other stuff. And I ended up playing on a couple of Rolling Stones records and stuff like that, so. When, when I first found out about you was your first solo album. I think it was 1988 that yeah, you released yeah. that. It's a great album. Thank you very much. Um, what happened to that solo career? Was it? Um, you know, uh, I don't know. Things change, times. Uh, Life does things to you, you know. I had, I had some times where I, I was pretty much. I loved doing that that period. I loved making that music, and I and I and I love playing those songs still to this day. But I had some. I had, um, you know, I had uh, during that time. I I, I did that record. I, I I was in Keith Richards' band. Keith had a band called the Expensive Winos. I was in that band. I played on those records, and I was I was pretty crazy. I was pretty wild wild kid, you know. I've I was heard about my, that. I was in my 20s. I was in my 20s, uh, mid to late 20s, and, and I was doing a lot of drugs and, and drinking a lot and smoking a lot of stuff. And 
I was having a fun time, and I, I kind of had too much fun at, at certain certain times, you know? Would you terribly mind sharing the story about Keith Richards? Um, I, well, Keith, I, I'm honored to say that Keith is, is, is a close friend of mine, and um, I've, I'm fortunate and, 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 and honored that, you know, that I, he considers me a friend, and, and, and I, he, uh, I, I got to play on on a, a couple of some Stones. Uh, I got to play bass on a Stones record one time before the Winos, right. when Stones were making this record called Dirty Work, with Harlem Shuffle and that stuff was on that record. I happened to be in New York during that time. I had just finished touring with Bonnie Raitt, and I stayed in New York and hung out. A friend of mine's there. Um, uh, we, we, he knew that uh, the Stones were around recording, and I ended up going seeing them uh, record a couple times and I ended up hanging out. And I had already knew, I knew them, I knew them from the, from the Neville Brothers. The Neville Brothers had toured with the Stones in, the, in early eight, 1981. We did a few dates. And then Keith recorded with Stones? Keith had done some stuff with the brothers and, um, and it, we, we kind of hung out a little bit and he, he, knew, he knew me, who I was, and, 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 and I went and hung out at the studio with him. I ended up playing bass on a song on that, on that record. And that was like a beginning of a relationship with him, where he he well, he decided to put together a, a band for for his solo stuff, and um, he he called me up. You know, I'm like, yeah, shit, I'll come play with you, fucking right. <laughs> so we ended up playing in, in the Winos. He, he started um, a band with me and uh, Wadi Wattel and Charlie Drayton and Steve Jordan, and we made a record and we toured. We'd made a couple of records, you know. Um, He's a great guy. He's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing man. Um, you know. Musically, what does he mean to you? He, you know what, musically, but I think the most, the thing that I probably learned most from him was that it was all about the music for him. People see that, that others, that other, they know Keith is like this guy. I mean, I know he's, he survived the things that he, that he survived. And he was a guy that was, had a reputation with drugs and all that stuff. But when I, when I was spending time with him, he was all about the music. Drugs were around, but drugs were secondary. Drugs were not the main focal point ever. When we were, when I was ever around him, even when, when we were deep doing, we were deep into doing all that shit, the music was always first to him. And I saw that, and I'm like, wow. Because there were times when I would be thinking about getting high and shit, but Keith's over there playing a riff. He's still playing this fucking riff. He's playing this riff. It's fucking 20 minutes past. We're still playing the same riff. I'm like, God damn. You know, I want to do some drugs or something. But no, Keith's just playing this fucking riff. He don't really care. He's, he's, he's about the music. And that's, that's one thing that I, that I take, you know, that I, that I got from him. I mean. Is it true that Keith was one who thought that you had maybe taken too much drugs? Is that there was times when I was a little fucking crazy, and he was like, "You fucking, you fucking do too much of that shit," you know. And, you know, it was there was times where when he like looked at me like I was fucking out of my mind, like, "What are you doing?" You know. Just in case you're wondering, there was a guy who's polishing the floors. That's the noise that you what? hear in the background. So um, I'm sorry. Um, so I want to ask you about funk music. Can you just talk about dumpster funk and and what your dumpster funk? Is we, we're guys, we're, we're some guys that known each other for a long time. Uh, myself, Tony Hall, and Nick Daniels, we grew up in the 70s and whatnot. We grew up listening to that music of the 70s. And my little cousin Ian, he, he, he obviously was born later on, 
He was born in the 80s, and so was our drummer, Alvin Ford, was born later on. Those guys are much younger, but they were influenced by the, some of the same stuff we were influenced by, but in a roundabout way. Like, when hip-hop music and all the, the modern stuff, that how everything's influenced by, you know, the stuff that was going on back in the days. So through sampling or some kind of way, the kids that are now digging on whatever they're digging on, they may not know it, but they're digging on the same shit we were digging on, you know? Because all that stuff's influenced by that music, you know? I mean, we it all comes from somewhere. And we all fans of James Brown. We're all fans of Sly and the Family Stone, Parliament Funkadelic, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, all of that stuff, you know? Um, uh, and, and, and obviously when we do when we started wanting, wanting to put a funk band together, you know, um, it's, it's all about listening to one another play. For me, it's all about listening to what the other guy's doing. And that's the kind of group we are. We listen to one another play, and that makes me play what I'm playing. When I hear what you're playing, it makes me play what I play. But what makes it funk? To me, funk is, to me, it's like, okay, there's it, it, a couple of different things, but most, mostly it's about where the notes are not where there is no note, where the, you know what I'm saying? It's where you don't play. Right. It's what you don't play that makes it funky. You know, and it's about the one, it's about the one. You know, and it's about where you don't play. But what's the main ingredients? Is it the bass, is it the drums? Is it's it... the bass and the drums are really, a, a really integral part of it. It's, that's gotta be nasty. The bass and drums gotta be doing, doing what they do. They gotta groove, you know? And, and then what I do is I just, I, I'm rhythmic. I play rhythmic. I play like I was a drummer when I played keyboards. So you find your little spaces where you play. And you, you know, one thing hits another and you, you do like that, you know, and you do like that. And, and lyrically, is there any limitations in be, being defined as a funk band? Nah, you can write about anything you want. I mean, yeah, you can write about anything. So tell me about Dumpster Funk. And, I mean, it's a great band to see live. What is your goal of, the, let's say, a five? We just want to spread the music around, man. We just want to make sure people know about funk and know about, you know, like obviously we got bands that, that we're inspired by, like like P. Charles Clinton, he was still doing it, you know. Um, and, and you know, we, we're fans of all. We're fans of music. I, like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go see Mars Day in the time. They're playing now. I, I love that band, but. Um, we just want to help. We want to help spread spread the music. You know, make sure people don't forget about funk music. You know, they need to know about it. And people need to know that maybe some of the music that you're listening to, your younger generations, that this is where that came from. The music you're listening to came from some shit that we grew up listening to, and we want to make sure people know that and, and spread it around. How know? much does New Orleans come into that? Oh, well, New Orleans is a big part of our, our brand of funk because we, we, we were close, we were close, uh, uh, we were first-hand witnesses to the meters doing their thing. And that's one of the, um, one of the, you know, one of the greatest funk bands ever. So we grew up close to that. So that's incorporated in our thing. We got that New Orleans thing. You know, we, we, we know how, we know about brass bands, we know about second line, we know about that whole greasiness of street music and shit like that. So that's incorporated into our thing. So you mix all that together. It's like, a, it's like the food, a, a, a New Orleans uh, signature dish is gumbo. And gumbo is a mixture of everything. Gumbo, you put all the ingredients in there and you, and you make sure you just nurture it good and you marinate it real nice and you let it just brew up together and it comes out tasting real good.
and that's kind of what we what we what we want to want to do. Is New Orleans still home for you? Yeah, it yeah, is. It eh? is. Yeah. And so you moved away for a while. I moved away. I moved. Away. I went to Los Angeles for a while. Every musician wants to go to Los Angeles at some point, especially when I was growing up in the 80s and during that time you wanted to go check LA out. And I went to New York for a minute and I went back to New Orleans and that's where I live now. How did Katrina affect you? Um, you know, people lost stuff. People had to move. My, my parents had to move to Tennessee my, and my mom ended up dying in Tennessee. She never made it back. She made it back to New Orleans when we, when we, um, um, when we buried her, you know, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? It's, People had to move. People had to go and do what they had to, you know, do what they had to do to, to to keep life going on until New Orleans recovered a little bit. You know, it was it was pretty bad. A lot of people lost fam, loved ones, and people lost stuff. You know, and then New Orleans had to kind of, um, you know, reinvigorate. You know, we had to we had to do our, we had to get it going again. I mean, it it was it was pretty scary for just a minute. It's like wow, New Orleans could be fucking done. You know. But I did hear some musician, and I don't know if you agree with this, talk about the fact that in some ways it helped oh, spread it, the news. No, it definitely helped New Orleans music get, get more work and get more notoriety, get more notice. It shined the light on New Orleans music because, oh, oh here's this great, this, this amazing place, this amazing musical place that, that we almost lost. So the, the appreciation for New Orleans mu music and musicians became very very prevalent, you know, the appreciation for, for, for our stuff. We were traveling around right after Katrina. We were going all over playing to people, you know, and, when, and people showing up. Like, well, places that we maybe didn't do that great a business, people showing out and, you know, packing the houses, you know, packing every place we, we were playing during that time and showing a new appreciation for New Orleans music. Can I ask you what you learned from that whole experience? Uh, um, you just can't take things for granted, that's all. It's got to be, just show, you got to live with some gratitude. Live with some gratitude and, and realize that you're blessed. Every day you're, you're walking around, you get to, you get to wake up and, and eat some breakfast and go to work or wherever you got to go do. You, you're lucky you get to do that. But you kind of appreciate that when you quit drugs, right? Try oh, no, most definitely. Well, you know, I mean, you know, and, I, and I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a judgmental person when it comes to that stuff. And I know there's people that, you know, enjoy what they do when they drink alcohol and they take drugs and it doesn't affect them the way it affected me. But I, I had to stop doing it because it was, I was doing, I was, it was affecting my life in, in, a, in a negative way. And so, you know, I, I was able to, to, to learn to live life a different way where I don't, have, I don't drink or do drugs. My final question to you is, can you just maybe express to me how, how passionate you are about the music that you play. Oh, I, I love music. I love, it's probably, it's funny to say, <laughs> like, like I, there's people in my life that I love dearly, you know, my family, you know, loved ones and whatnot, but man, something about music, man. I, I love music like nothing else, man. I love music, man. I, I, and I guess music is probably, I don't know, it's like my one true love, I guess. Well, it shows when you play. Yeah. It's a real honor yeah. to meet you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure.